Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. I was at prom last night. I didn't attend. I wasn't invited to attend um, to go with anyone. That's a good thing. Uh, but uh, I was DJing uh, the, the prom. And my lovely wife came with me. Uh, she's, a, she's amazing. And um, we were there till about midnight when it, when it shut down. I, I know this might be too much information. I did not use the facilities uh, from the time we got there at about 6.45 until midnight. Had a couple Red Bulls, um, uh, pineapple juice, you know, and, and I don't know why. It's not like, yeah. And so... When we were leaving, I was like, hey, hon, I'm going to use the restroom or I'm not going to make it home. I live in Nashua, so it was like a, you know, a good solid 15 minutes to get home, and I, I didn't think I was going to make it. And so I go in there, and I want to share with you what I forgot about high school. And I don't even know where you buy that much cologne in <laughs> Glasgow. But what I imagined while I was in there was, was just walking in, and I know we've all been to a mall before, and you go to like JCPenney or you know, one of those department stores that as you walk in, there's, there's the, the women's perfume on the left and the men's perfume on the right. Imagine if they had just opened and they got their shipments and they were getting ready to put all of the cologne away, but instead of putting it away, they threw it. They threw it to put it in the shelves, and it all just broke everywhere. That's what the bathroom smelled like which is way better than what it could, but last night I, I was just transferred to JCPenney trapped in one of those cologne cabinets. It was uh, horrifying. And so um, uh, it, was a, it was a really good night though, really loud music. If you live um, close to here, you might have heard some of it. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure if it was going right now, we could hear it in here from over there. Um, Seth, thank you for, for helping set that up. and. Uh, And yeah, um, I want to start today not to talk about prom or bathrooms, but uh, to to get us back on track here. We've been reading out of Ephesians chapter 6 about the the armor of God. And so I'd like to read these verses. It's uh, 10 through 17. Um, Let me just, I want to pull it out of my Bible here. There we go. Okay. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That does go on to say, I think we actually have been reading verse 18 maybe. Have we been going further? Oh, I didn't have that. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me. Oh, that we usually stop at 18. This is where... uh, Paul says, pray also for me uh, that 
whenever I speak words may be given uh, me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be I, I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I know that some of those verses weren't up here, and I apologize. That's actually my mistake. I, I wrote it down wrong, and then it just stayed wrong throughout the rest of the thing here, including what I gave you, Noah. You did a fine job putting those verses up there. Uh, that, that wasn't your fault. And so the, the first week when we started, about this, uh, started talking about this, we talked about truth. And the truth is, is that um, we're not fighting battles that we think we're fighting. And so um, we think about politics and presidents and um, taxes and, and all these struggles of the world, and we're not fighting those powers. We're actually fighting the things that we can't see. It's the spiritual realm that's, that's, that's uh, the easy way to say it is that's tricking us. Um, they're using all of these things that we can see, and we react to that rather than the spiritual world. We react, react to the, the people and the voters and the taxes and the money and the banks and, and the bosses and the coworkers and the underlings and the sisters and the cousins and the aunts. We, we react to those physical things rather than what's really going on, the spiritual world. And so the truth is we're, we're fighting the wrong people most of the time, the wrong things. Uh, then we went to the breastplate, breastplate. I have a hard time with that word. Breastplate of righteousness. Um, and belief alone does not, uh, uh, belief alone does save you. Um, just saying it does not. So if you say you believe in Jesus, that's not what it says. It's belief, belief in your heart, not just saying magic words. Um, and then the shoes of readiness, are you ready to uh, share the good news? Are we ready? Or do we have the word in our heart to be able to share the news whenever we're asked? Are we ready to do that? A shield of faith. Can we lift our shield against the attacks and distractions of the devil? And then today, we're taking the, the shortest section of this. And it's um, in, in verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation. That's, we are going to talk today about those five words. That's what we're going to talk about today. And so I, I like to share how we get to this conclusion. And uh, we, were, we were having a staff meeting and Seth said, hey, Brian, I'd like you to preach one of these on the, the armor of God. And I said, that'd be great. I'd, I'll, I'll, whatever, you, whatever you say, boss. And he's like, which one do you want? And I don't know why I said this, but I'm just being honest. I said, I don't want the breastplate of righteousness. And it's got to be because I have a hard time saying it. Uh, but I said, I don't want that one. And he said, okay, you can have the helmet. And I don't know if there was anything spiritual about it or not. I have no idea. Um, but here I am. Uh, the day before Easter on Palm Sunday, uh, ready to, to talk to you about the helmet of salvation. And so what I would like to do is, is uh, if you'll join with me, let's have a, let's have a quick prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Um, we, we've, we've already prayed so much, and I really feel that this, this particular prayer as we start the lesson is, is mainly for me, selfishly, um, that, Lord, you would move me out of the way. You would help um, me, me focus. And, you know, that's, that's something that we all can do, that we can pray, Lord, for your spirit to be active in our lives right now, in our minds right now, in our ears and in our eyes. And, and Lord, you can help this word, your word, your gospel, your truth, your verses sink into our soul, uh, Lord, so that those are the things that are coming out um, of the roots of our lives as we grow, that, that Lord, it's, just, it's coming from your spring, your well, your river, your source. And so, Lord, as we continue to go, just help us do that and remove ourselves. 
We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I just Googled everything. That's how, that's how we're getting today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I put that video together just, to, just to, to get us in the mindset of, of, of helmets. Yes, it's a little silly with way too dramatic of music, but that was the idea. Um, I, 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 what, let me tell you what I would like to do today, and it's to explain what a helmet is and why we need it, what salvation is and why we need it, why do we put those two words together even? And then if that's something that I've convinced you that we need, how do we put it on? And so the first thing would be uh, to define helmet. And I know that we have, a, we have an image that, that um, Noah's gonna pull up here about helmet. Uh, it's a hard or padded protective hat. Various types of which are worn by soldiers, police, uh, police officers, firefighters, motorcyclists, athletes, and others, you see that, that number one there um, is the definition. And, and so I have, a, I have a couple stories about helmets because I was, I was one of these, um, these first ones, soldiers. And so if you don't know, I was um, in the 3rd Infantry Division uh, and I went to Iraq uh, a, a couple times. I was there for the initial assault in, in 2003. And so I, this is on my mind a lot lately. And you can ask any of the youth students this week. I was sharing different stories up there about uh, different things, mainly funny stuff that had, that had happened to me. Um, but uh, one of the stories about me with um, a helmet is um, I, I have a picture. Noah, if you could share that. I, this is the vehicle I was in. Uh, not the exact one. This is just one I found on the internet. But this is a Bradley fighting vehicle is what it's called. And you can't see the gun on the front of it, but it's not like a big, big tank. It's a, it's a smaller, it's actually a 25 millimeter um, gun that's on the front. And it shoots different types of ammunition. But the, the goal is actually to get uh, us, the infantry, 
closer to combat. And so we just sit in the back of those things and ride all over and it shoots stuff. And then when we get close to the bad guys, that's when it lets us out, um, if, there, if there's any others. And, and really, it does a lot of the work. And, and we just got to like nap in the back. It's amazing what you can nap through. I'm getting sidetracked, but it's amazing what you can sleep through. Um, I re- oh, this is totally a sidetrack. I don't know why I'm even sharing this, but I remember waking up. We're driving through Iraq. It's just a, it's a couple days uh, into the war, and they woke us up to tell us we were two miles into a minefield. We had been driving in a minefield for two miles. And we're like, well, why are we stopped? And they said, well, we're going to reverse out now. You see the review mirrors? Nope. There ain't no backup camera. <laughs> And so they woke me up to tell me, you're probably going to die soon. (laughs) We're probably going to run over a mine. Uh, With a 26-ton vehicle, we're going to try to back up two miles. And so anyway, that wasn't part of the story. The actual story was when we were driving along, going pretty fast, um, what they do in Iraq to, to, I'm pretty sure it was to drill wells. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but they would get these bulldozers and they'd just drive, drive the bulldozers down until it got to water. And so they just pull all this dirt out and you could just walk down these like cave tunnel things and go to the, the water. Um, it was weird. It wasn't like a drilled well. They would just like walk down there to where it was weird. Um, but so you imagine, so like they, they, they cut the earth this way, but if you were coming this way and you didn't know that was coming in one of those, going, you know, 40 miles an hour, something like that. It's, it's a cliff, essentially, that you drive off of. Um, the Bradley's uh, roughly 22 feet long, and I do know that that's about how far it was that we went until we, we hit the ground. It was about 22 feet when we did that. And um, again, most of the time, even though this is a really loud vehicle and it's, it doesn't have the best suspension, okay, and the tracks make a lot of noise, and they're really loud and it's vibrating, Honestly, if I sat in the back of a Bradley again, like that would just immediately put me to sleep. It's, it's the weirdest thing. And so I woke up to flying through the back of the Bradley and there's not a ton of room back there for eight guys, but there's a, a hatch on top, which you really can't see, um, but it was on the, the left-hand side, there's a little tarp there you can see. That's a missile launcher, a tow missile launcher. And so there's a hatch on top so we can load missiles into there. Um, that hatch hurts if you're flying through the air towards it. Um, But I did have my helmet on. And what I remember later is I I was the one closest to the ramp at that time and and, and I hit. And then the next thing I remember was like, I need to get out of the Bradley because we're we're like like sitting like this and there's eight guys just like squished in there. And so I was like, I need to get out. I'm the one on top. I need to like climb out of here. And so I, I open up the hatch, which they're meant to work like with gravity. And so when it's, the weights against it, it's really hard to open up. And then what I realized is when your platoon sergeant is also standing on it, it's really hard to open up. But finally he let me open it and said, we're hooking up the, there's a lot of profanity, but we're hooking up the toe strap is roughly the translation that's safe in church now. <laughs> and he kind of pushes me back in and, and they hook up this, a, a toe strap's a bad word. It's a really thick cable that all the Bradleys have in the front. And so another Bradley pulled us out and and we got out. What they've determined now, years later with me, is this incident is why I get um, just like migraines. Um, Sometimes just out of of nowhere. I'll just be kind of, 
going along migraines. What I have figured out is, is light does a lot. Um, uh, I have a sensitivity to light, so you'll see me a lot of the times. People make fun of me for like, I'll wear my sunglasses at night. I'll wear my sunglasses in the building or whatever. Um, it, just bright lights definitely affect migraines. I have, so a sensitivity to light, let me see here. I wrote it all down so I didn't forget. Um, migraine sensitivity to light, oh, short-term memory loss. <laughs> that wasn't a joke. Short-term memory loss. Um, they call it uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury. Um, but without my helmet, I can't imagine. I would, I would assume that I wouldn't be here right now had I not had my helmet on at that time. And then one other story uh, that, that is a little bit quicker. Um, so we do this, and then um, if some of you aren't even old enough, uh, this happened um, before you were born, but you'll, you'll remember we got uh, to the airport like really fast. And so we got to the Baghdad airport um, after, I can't remember how long it was, but we got to the Baghdad airport. We had a really long day of combat, and I've shared a story or two about that day. The next day, um, we're looking for shower facilities because it's been since we left Kuwait uh, that, that we've, we've showered. And so we're, there's barracks and different things around us that, that Saddam and the soldiers were using, but they're empty now. Um, and so we're looking for like some running water. And um, my team leader comes up to me and uh, another guy in my team and he says, hey, we're going to go to this building over here and we're going to go see if there's water in there. And so we go back and um, the first thing we do actually is not look for water because now it's like vacation. Um, and so we go in the first door, we walk in this building and the first door on the left is like uh, an officer's office. Poor choice of words, but an officer's office. And it's got like a big, fancy, heavy, hardwood desk um, that, that's in there, um, a big, massive ashtray um, in there. And we actually uh, smoke one of his cigars while we're in there, okay? And so what we do is, we haven't done this in a while, um, but we, we took off our, our, our helmets and our gear, and we're inside this building, and it's behind uh, the, the safe area. You know, we've got people pulling security for us elsewhere, and so we're, we're, we're good. And so we're like sitting on the desk, right, on this, this, this general, I don't know, some high-ranking officer, and we're like, you know, and, and we had just got done having a really long day of battle the day before, and we're just, you know, I don't know what we're talking about, um, and then, and then we hear, and we hear a noise, and I, and I, I wanted to find the noise, but I, I'm, I'm hard of hearing, and so I really couldn't hear this noise now if it was going to happen, but it's a really high-pitched whistle, And it's, it's, it's getting closer. And what we know is that this is, this is, this is a, a bomb, this is a mortar coming in. And so I don't realize, but while this is happening, and, and the day before was actually when I lost my hearing. And so I probably took a little bit longer to hear this um, than, than they did, but they're ready to leave now when I notice that they're ready to leave. I am not. I'm still like, <laughs> with like no no gear on, you know, and, and so I'm like, oh, we're leaving now, and so I grab my weapon, I grab my vest, and I run out without my helmet, and I get outside the building, and the first one hits behind the, the building, boom, a big explosion, and, and I, I'm looking at them, I'm like, we got out, and they're like, you don't have your helmet, and they're looking at me really funny, 
And I'm like, I can't go the next, I don't, we don't know how long we're gonna be in Iraq at this point, right? Like I can't go the next without a helmet. Like I need my helmet. And they're like, yeah, you do. You gotta go get it. And we, we, we hear another one coming in. I'm like, well, I, I probably, I don't, I don't wanna go get it. <laughs> and my team leader, and he's a scary guy, uh, a Corporal Fortner, he says, you're gonna go get it. And I'm like, but okay. And so the, the, the next one hits and I go running back in this building and it's just the first door on the left, but I hear the, it's coming in. I can't whistle very well. It's coming in and, and I grab my helmet and as I turn around, the, 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 the first mortar actually hit the building. And I have never been that scared in my life. I thought I was done for. And it hit the far side of the building, the other side that I wasn't on. I was actually more safe than I think I thought I was. And looking back now, I wasn't, I mean, I was in more danger than we are right now, but <laughs> wasn't in a ton of danger of losing my life at that moment. I felt like it though. Um, had that mortar hit in a different place or had I had to go the, the rest of the, the time in Iraq without my helmet, I can imagine it would not have been very safe. And so we've watched the video. I've told some stories about helmets. Uh, we, I'm not trying to be silly here, but we know what a helmet's for. A helmet is for protecting our noggin when we know we need it. Um, raise your hand. I would be able to tell, but this is silly. Raise your hand if you're wearing a helmet now. Nobody, because we don't feel we need it. We, we put on helmets when we're riding motorcycles, most of us. We put on helmets when we're playing football. We put on helmets when we're hopefully running out of buildings that we think are getting mortared. You know, we're running out of, uh, we, we wear helmets when, when we're doing something where we think we need a helmet. Um, but it's to, it's to protect our life. Um, and then uh, I have another image that Noah's gonna share uh, and it's titled Salvation. And this is, this is Google's definition. It's, we're going to look at number two. Um, deliverance from sin and its consequences believed by Christians to be brought about by faith in Christ. Google still supports a little bit. They're very clear that we don't believe this. They even title theology Christians. Um, but, but I think that's a, that's a fairly safe, that's, that's a good Definition, believed by Christians to be brought about by faith in Christ. A deliverance from sin and its consequences. And so I want to see a couple of verses here for what the Bible says about salvation. And so Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of, of the people. i got to read it down here. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. And so the, the chapter before, in chapter three, um, Peter and John are, they heal the, the lame beggar. And you may have heard this story before, and he was, he was lame, and he's just kind of asking for money. And in, in this interaction, um, he's asking for stuff, and, and Peter says, look at me. Because a lot of times, like, these beggars would just hold out their hand and wait. They wouldn't even look at the people um, that were doing it. And so anyway, that's, that's what we're leading into, is, is this person was, was healed, and now... Um, they're, they're in front, Peter and John um, are in front, kind of trying to testify for what happened. Then uh, verse 10, then know this, you and all the people of Israel is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. 
that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, the stone you believers rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is a great definition of salvation that, that Peter and John are giving as, as they're being accused of, of doing bad things. They're giving the name of the person that did this and the person that can also save them. And today, the person that can save us. Beautiful, beautiful. And then, and then we have Romans 10, uh, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we, we went over this verse actually a couple times now um, as we're talking about the, the armor of God. Um, but it's not, it, it is, there is an act of saying out loud. There is an act of, of, of confessing with your mouth. And it's not just in Romans 10.9 that it says this, but there is an act of, of, of speaking that you believe in Jesus. Um, and, but also that goes with a belief in your heart. Um, and so, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So confessing and believing that Jesus is Lord. Um, this is salvation. Salvation saves us from the effects of sin, as we saw that, that, that Google pointed out to us. And so the effects of sin are separation from God. Um, some of us might refer to this as death. When I see death in the Bible, now I, I don't see like this, this thing that we see at funerals, uh, a body that's, that's laying there. I see death as, as separation from God because there's some of us in this room, hopefully many of us in this room, that that is not us dead at a funeral. We actually still live. And, and the weird thing is, is at funerals, we kind of forget and remember that all at the same time. Death comes to those that have not received salvation. Salvation saves us from sin, death, and decay. So a helmet is for safety, and salvation says we are safe. So why do we need a helmet of salvation? Why do we need a saving thing that's saving? If salvation alone keeps us safe, why do we need to put on a helmet of salvation? That doesn't make sense. Can you put on a saving, saving helmet? Of, of, of saving, save, put the thing that's saving, saving, right? Does, you getting this? Salvation saves us, helmets save us, put on the saving, saving thing. It's kind of repetitive. Why do they say put on the helmet of salvation? And I think it's because uh, this is one of my favorite phases. God does not zap us to heaven. And I know I've said it from up here, and I say it in youth group all the time, but if I was God, and people then, uh, the same kind of terms as God says here, believe in me and you can come to heaven. As soon as somebody did that, I go, Psst, and get them to heaven, right? Like, don't let them mess it up. Like, get them up there quick. Let's go. And so if I was God, I'd just, Psst, and, and you just see people zapped, zapped, zapped. But I think the reason we need a helmet of salvation is because, because God doesn't zap us. We're still, on her, we're still on earth, and what salvation protects us from is sin, death, and decay. Things that, that once we get to heaven, we won't need protection. We won't need to be saved once we're in heaven. There's no more need for salvation. Does that make sense? You're, you're there. 
You've achieved it. You're in eternity. You're with God. Um, we don't need to share the gospel in heaven because if you're there, you know God. You're walking with him. You're fishing with him. You're eating bacon with him. Um, I, I think we need to go a little bit further in God's word. And so I've got kind of a longer reading here in Isaiah. And Isaiah, Isaiah is so awesome. If you get an opportunity to, to read, there's some parts that are, that are a little difficult to read through in Isaiah, but I, particularly with, with my testimony and my faith, Isaiah is one of the books that has brought me to where I am today. Because if you don't know, and this is, this is kind of a side note, and, and I'm gonna try to speak kind of general because I don't know all the specific details of it, um, word for word, because I was kind of unprepared to say this right now, but Isaiah was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found around the 1950s. And the Dead Sea Scrolls were a, a bunch of old scrolls that they found from carbon dating several hundred years, three to 400 years before Jesus walked the earth, these scrolls had been written. Now Isaiah was about 700 years uh, BC, before Christ, uh, when it was written. Uh, to a couple of 50 years, it took quite a while to write Isaiah, but then these were, were copies of Isaiah that were written. Um, scribes, they didn't have copy machines. They didn't have jump drives, right? So these scribes were some of the best jobs you could have back in the day, like doctors. They took it very seriously. And so they, were, they scribed these things down, and then they put them into clay pots. And then they put these clay pots in caves. And there's lots of caves, tons of caves. And in one of the caves, they found Isaiah. And so in the 1950s, they found a copy of Isaiah that had been written pre-Jesus, they carbonated it. It had been written several hundred years before Jesus. And so they said, hey, we've got Isaiah, and we know it's been written before Jesus. This is amazing. Let's check it with what we have here. And so they took Isaiah, and they, they unscrolled it. I don't know exactly how they did all of this, right? I'm not that. But they, they unscroll it, and they check it with the copy that we have, with, with what's being mass-produced. They found zero mistakes that affect the message. And so they might have found like a spelling error or, or where they, they misplaced a, a, a few things here and there, but none of the mistakes they found affect the message, which is a miracle. It is a miracle that, that we, under the, the power of the Holy Spirit, we flawed humans have been able to get to the English language from Aramaic and Greek and Latin and all, all of this. And, and what we get, they found 300 years that have been written 300 years before Jesus. Isaiah has prophecy all over it, all over it for telling Jesus that is then confirmed in the New Testament. And we have it right here. We have this, this, this is proof. We have proof. And so it's, that's Isaiah. And I, I said this was a sidetrack. I apologize. Let's get back into Isaiah here. So when we read Isaiah 59, know that this was found in the 1950s, pre-written before Jesus, carbon dated, knowing that we had the copy we have is older than Jesus. Isaiah 59, starting in verse 15. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased, and there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled and that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. And he put on the righteousness of his, as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. 
He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak according to what they have done so he will repay wrath with his, uh, to his enemies and retribution to his foes. Pull this out. I'm having a hard time reading from mine here. Okay, foes, foes. I'm, I'm finding it. Trust me. Okay, that was a dramatic pause. He will repay the islands are due from the west. People will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, as says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips. And the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants and from this time on forever, says the Lord. Okay, so this may not be blaring that like, oh my goodness, Brian, yes, you are just so right about the, all that stuff you rambled on about before. Verse 16. Verse 16 is where, the, if, you, if you didn't catch it, verse 16. He saw that there was no one. And this is so cool, because if you read Job, Job has the same complaint. One of the oldest books written in the Bible, Job's like, there's no one. How do I talk to God? There's nobody between me and God. And so Job, Job gets mad too, and he saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. God sent himself. Ah. So he, he does this. He sends Jesus for our salvation. And then it says that, that, that Jesus, Jesus, he put on the righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. What? Why does Jesus need a helmet of salvation? To protect him from sin and death? Well, Jesus doesn't sin and die. We know this. We're gonna celebrate this in a week. The tomb's empty. He needed to arm himself to do his father's will in a sinful, dangerous world. He needed to arm himself to do his father's will in a sinful, dangerous world. He knew he was going into battle. God knew when he sent his arm, it needed to be protected in the hope of what was to come. And so, uh, in verse 21, I want to repeat this too. I know you got it for me, Noah. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children, on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever. This is the promise that he then repeats to us uh, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where he says, go and make disciples and I'll be with you. I'm, I'm definitely, that's like the Brian condensed version. But he says, go and, and, and share my word. I will be with you always, even to the end. And so he repeats that again to us. And so this in Isaiah is, is and, and I'm telling you, so just like, you could even Google prophecy in Isaiah. Be careful Googling, okay? But you can, you can Google prophecy in Isaiah and see what is there. And so this, this is so cool. So cool. So Isaiah was written several hundred years before Jesus walked to the earth, um, but we see God's plan right here before us uh, to walk in salvation. And then in the New Testament, uh, we, have, we have a verse, and it's 1 Thessalonians. 
And I told Seth, Seth was like plugging these in in the computer this morning. And I was like, I'm sorry, I put all these hard to spell books. Isaiah, when you just go to do Isaiah, it's Isaiah, I, 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 I. <laughs> right? We say I-S-A-I-A-H, Isaiah. I spelled it wrong for years, not even knowing it. Um, and then Thessalonians, I don't even know. There's a couple N's and S's and, and so. Um, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 8. Uh, through 11. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breath, breast, breast plate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So we see, we see that, that same thing. Um, it doesn't say helmet of salvation, though. It says um, the hope of salvation as a helmet. Put that, put that back up, Noah. And so you see right there the, the first verse. But since we belong to the day, let's be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. I said it good that time and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And so it said just, just a little bit different, and it depends on your translation, but right now this is the, the new uh, international version is what I'm choosing to, to teach out of this morning, and that's what it says. And so we have, I think this, this helps us get a little bit further um, with what this, this salvation helmet, helmet of salvation, because it has hope. Hope is what we have in our salvation. Our faith in Christ culminates to a hope for salvation. And so we have this, this moment of salvation when, when we realize that Jesus is Lord of our life. We're not choosing to let him be Lord of our life. We're not, um, you know, we, we sometimes kind of missay it, and I know what we mean when we say that we're asking Jesus into our heart. He's already there, we just have to acknowledge it. He's already Lord of our life, we just have to acknowledge it. We, we are acknowledging the, the, the ruler of the universe and the savior of our soul. Um, and so we have this moment of salvation where we are guaranteed, we're stamped, signed, and sealed to make it to heaven. But then again, God does not zap us. Let's, let's go to John 12, um, 12 through 15. We already read it today. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey colt. So we get this picture of, of Palm Sunday. And Jesus, Jesus is, is building towards the, the end of his life where he knows that we sinners are going to hang him on a cross. And there's prophecy that says he's going to ride in on a donkey. And he had just, um, just previously in John, he had healed his friend Lazarus. And you, you can read later that um, a lot of people were talking about him bringing people back from being dead, and, and Lazarus is one of them. 
And so all these, all these people gathered together one day to celebrate Jesus. They put these palms down. But we know the story. By Friday, they were ready to hang him. And so I think, I think what the helmet of salvation does is the helmet of salvation gets us from Sunday to Sunday. I, but I think, we, I think we, we, we kind of, and I'm not, when I say we, I'm not blanketing and saying all of you people are just horrible, okay? If the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, say I'm learning and I'm going to teach, okay? So, so don't, the, at no point are we supposed to ignore, but I think some of us, and, and I was and am guilty at different times. Some of us come in to church on Sunday, kicking and screaming inside of our head, and we get, we get to the, the greeters, and that's when the, maybe the face came on right before, but we, we put on a, a, you know, we take the deep breath. Here we go. And then I, I in my head, when I was thinking about, about sharing with this, I took the bulletin as my helmet. <laughs> And we put this helmet of amazing hope in Christ on. And we wear that thing proudly in here, don't we? Man, that, that thing is on. Can't even get it off while you're in here. Yeah, Jesus, praise Jesus, amen, hallelujah. We get excited in here. We are ready for battle in here. When we're all together and we all have our shields and our shoes and our belts and our breastplates on. But the armor is not for in here. Sure, there are attacks from within and we have to still love everybody in here just like we wanna love people out there. The helmet of salvation is when, hold on. I don't even wanna say out there. I don't like that separation of in here and out there. But we automatically assume that in here we're all saved. But hopefully if we're doing our job right, like only half of us are. If we're doing our job right, we're inviting unsaved people to sit next to us in church. Right? If we're wearing a helmet everywhere we go in town, people are going to be like, why do you have that helmet on? You know that it's fine. But what, what the world has trained us to do is to take it off when we leave here. Get that helmet off. Look like us. Stop looking like some football player while you're walking around without any pads on. Like you just have this stupid helmet on. And so the, the, the helmet is because we should, we should be attacking. And this, this, inputting on the armor, this is the first moment of, of we're moving forward now. All these other pieces of armor we put on are to get ready to move. All these other pieces of armor are a defense. This one means we're ready to offense. We're ready to go. We're ready to butt heads. And so what we should be doing is loving until it hurts. And, and my emotion right now is because this is, this is something that I even struggle with. We have, we have people in our lives that I, and we were, we were sitting at Grand March and Lindsay and I were making jokes and playing little games. We're playing like guessing games. And so I, you, you couldn't guess the straw. 
I saw somebody's straw, and she was trying to guess a straw. And then I realized, like, how, and, and I've known this, but, but I'm thinking about this sermon, and I'm, I'm thinking about us and, and what we need to hear, and God's sharing with me, and Glasgow isn't a, a typical town. Because in Great Falls, I could talk to people in the youth group, and they wouldn't go, yeah, that's my cousin, about every five seconds. They wouldn't say, yeah, that's my aunt, twice removed. That's my first dad, there's my third dad. Like, they wouldn't, like, like we're so interweaved and connected. Y'all are all related, all of you. I, I now realize why you're so happy that we moved here, because we're fine, well, there's somebody not related. <laughs> We have a really hard job because the people that we have to show love for are our family. The people we know better. We know they're not gonna be saved. Ah, they're always in the bar. How am I ever gonna get them here on a Sunday morning? Well, we know those type of people. And we're talking about our cousins, our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters our coworkers, our bosses, our employees, and we know them. And you know what's hard? You know what's, what the battle is? Is when you try to serve Jesus and they shut you down. That's dumb. You're dumb for that. I can't believe you're gonna talk to me about Jesus again. We've tried this. God's gonna tell you we'll borrow him money. God's gonna tell you to, to risk with those people. And, it's, and it hurts, and we've been stung, and we've tried, 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 and we can't get a first down. If we think about football and helmets, and we're trying to get a touchdown, and we, we've tried so much, it's just easier to be the Browns, right? Like, let's just quit. <laughs> Sorry, that was a cheap attempt at a joke. It's way easier to just stop and say we know them. The helmet is so we can keep attacking. The helmet of salvation is because we know for a fact that there is a God and we're going to spend eternity with him and his joy is going to live through me and his love is never ending. His love had no strings attached. And so there's often times when our love, when we're trying to share Jesus's love has strings attached. Well, I will love them as soon as they pay me back, as soon as they apologize, as soon as they fix that dent in my car, as soon as they give me my shirt back, as soon as they, as soon as they, as soon as they. What if God had said, as soon as they? As soon as you stop this, as soon as you stop that, that's when I'll send my son. But the beauty is he's already sent his son. He's already forgiven you. All we have to do is put on the helmet of salvation. All we have to do is live in that. Where every day we're ready for battle, where every day we're ready to share his forgiveness, his love, his hope that he has given us. How do we put the helmet of salvation on? We believe, confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe it in our heart. We read scripture 
We know Scripture. We recite Scripture. We teach Scripture. We're unashamed of Scripture. If we look back at other pieces of armor, we see that this gospel and his word are how we put it all and keep it all on. We love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and we love the way that Jesus loves unconditional, no weakness, no, not looking for fair love, unfair love, love that is full of grace. No more excuses. No more excuses. We're armored up. We're ready for battle. And from right here, we're going to attack. And it's not with knives and swords and guns. It's with love and grace and forgiveness. And so we wrote names down this morning, and this wasn't any kind of trick. I wasn't prepared to bring these names back up. But how can you reach to that person in a way that only God could give you? And I know um, it's, it's not, as a, as a public speaker, as a pastor, it's not an, a good thing to point out the time and do all this, but it's 11.28 right now. My story of salvation, the very quick version, is I was a horrible gambler. God spoke to me throughout my life, and I didn't realize it until a, a few shining moments but one of those moments was when I finally, after hours of arguing with my wife about gambling and denying it and denying it and denying it and spending a year of denying it and hiding and, and, and trying to cover it up, I finally look at her and I say, yeah, I've been gambling. And, and it's like a car accident. It's like those moments that I shared with you in Iraq that I can remember the smell, I can remember the look, I can remember every second of it. And I, and, I, and I just knew in that moment that we were going to get a divorce and I was going to have to pay child support and she was going to get the house and I was going to have to go live in an apartment. I already knew what apartments I was going to be. By the time that sentence came out, I already knew where I was moving. And before I had time to take a breath and try to beg, my wife looked at me and said, I've been praying about this. And God told me to forgive you. Without us walking around ready for battle, without my wife ready to share with me that she's ready to be hurt again and she's going to forgive me and she's going to go forward, regardless of what I do, without those moments, we are not going to save our cousins, our aunts, our uncles. We're not going to save this town. We're not going to save this county, this country, or this world. We have to be ready to attack. I need the worship band to come up here. I know you guys got a song. Let's, let's do this thing. While they're doing that, we're going to pray. Lord, I, I, I thank you for this opportunity to speak. I pray that, that it's my, my, my whole heart, but it's yours, Lord, that, that, that comes out. I pray that, that your word is heard that your mission is strong in our hearts. And, and Lord, if we haven't been able to move forward and say hard things, and if we've been hurt before, Lord, I pray that you're giving us the strength today to get back into your word, to talk to you, to love you, so that we may share that love with others. As we sing this last song, may we think of the names we wrote down on cards. May we think of the, the coworkers and, and people that are right within our arm's reach that we could share with. Lord, can you help us put on the helmet this week? We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. 
Amen. You see, the, the first save is for you to realize that you are not condemned anymore. The first save is that you have eternal life with Christ. And nothing can take that away because that's the only saving grace we have is Jesus Christ. That's the first save. The second save is this. You still get to live on earth. And there is going to be days when you sit there and you wonder, what the heck is going on? I've put myself out there or <laughs> my spouse has done this to me, my coworker has done this to me, I have this disease now and I have no clue what to do. Where does my help come from? And it goes back to that. As I remember my helmet, I go back in and go and get my helmet. Because we're gonna forget our helmets. We do all the time. Because we go into the doctor's office or we go into meetings with people or we go other places and all of a sudden we forget what the salvation, the helmet of salvation is. And then when we go back in and we put it on, we realize that all of our help, all of our salvation comes from God anyway. And so it brings us back to the very beginning and it says, okay, I can do this. I can go into battle. Because Paul says it amazingly, he says it this, he goes, to live is Christ and to die is gain anyway. And so I'm gonna live for Christ through all the battles, through the disease, through death, through tribulations, through hurt, through worry, through being caught in my sin. I already know I'm not condemned. And so I'm gonna live out every single day because to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what the save, save is all about. Because I know I'm saved, but I gotta go back and get my helmet every once in a while. Very last verse, and I'm gonna share with you, and, and I think you guys should all read this together, uh, well, meaning when you get home, but Hebrews 6, 6, 9 through 12. Because here's the deal, he gets done just talking about, you've got meat now. Like, you know what salvation is, now go and do this. So here's what he's speaking. Though we speak in this way, yet, let, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. I'm going to read it from here. We are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped out his people and continue to help them. So you know salvation, now go and do this more. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized, that your hope and salvation and that everybody would know this. So that your hope may be fully realized, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Salvation is promised. There's only one place to find that, and it's in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you. Help us to do just this. Be with these people. Man, next week would we come back and realize that, man, your empty tomb is not full of hollow promises. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless. Love you all.
Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.